Welcome to a Meaningful Marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million-dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real-life stories. I'm Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Masonia Marshall, a meaningful marketplace. This is Sarah Masoni of Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences Food Innovation Center. Sarah Marshall is off caring for her voice today after a busy weekend at the night market, and we wish her the very best and we'll hang out with her real soon. I'm glad that everyone has joined us today. We're honoring our social distancing still and calling in for the show. And we think it's important for us to be here with stories of hope for our listeners. And thanks for joining us as we tell stories of female food entrepreneurs. I do have some food news today for us. I want to tell everybody about the Specialty Foods Association Summer Fancy Food Show in New York City. It's June 12th through the 14th. And guess what? The Food Innovation Center will be there and we'll have 10 to 12 food companies with us in Incubator Alley. The companies joining us are Patrick Prince with Waves Caribbean, Sukhdevan Rippy of Kulsa Salsa, Lisa Tran of Tan Tan Deli Cafe, Corey Sue Morris of Retreat Foods, Uba Hassan of Uba Hot Sauce, Sabasagi of Saba Sauces, Holly Ong of Sabejo, Steve Curtis of Elevate Your Bake, Kadze Wright of Mosaic Grove, and Rebecca Christensen of Portland Salt Company. So make sure and stop by if you're in Javits Center and you're looking for some great food to taste. I'm also looking forward to the Good Food Foundation local mercantile that's happening this week, Friday, April 29th, here in Portland at the Night Market down in inner Southeast Portland. Oregon State University's Department of Food Science and Technology and the College of Ag, as well as the Food Innovation Center, will be there as sponsors, and we're looking forward to connecting with you then. So stop by and decide if you decide to attend. We'll be sharing uh, some olive leaf tea with olive leaves, that's right, from my backyard, and Lee Hedgeman will be joining our group, sharing some of her Barrel B product line. She was on the show a few weeks ago, so you might listen to her story. Hope to see you there. If any of our food friends out there have an announcement, please let us know through the website. Submit through startupradionetwork.com, or you can message us on Instagram at Masonia Marshall. We'll help spread your good news out to the food people that listen to our podcast. Well, guess what? I am not alone today. I am joined with a very special guest from Tempe, Arizona, Laura Briscoe of Laura's Gourmet Granola. Hi, Laura. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Good. It's so nice to see you. This is not the lab. I mean, I actually see you pretty frequently because you're on a committee with me. Which um, I love, and I got to meet you in person at the I'm, first fancy food show in a while in October, February. 
That's right. In Las Vegas, that was such a dreamy show getting back with all our friends and people in the food industry there in Vegas. I really enjoyed myself. That was a great show. And I'm looking forward to New York now. So that's next on the agenda. Good. I hope to find you and see you there because I need some more of your granola. (laughs) We can make that happen. So we want to connect you with our listeners and um, we want them to be able to find you via social media and your website. Can you tell us what your links are for Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and maybe your website? Sure. So for Instagram and Facebook, that's the same. It would be at Laura's Gourmet Granola, all one word. And then our website is laurasgourmet.com. Uh, if you're so inclined, you can put in laurasgourmetgranola.com, but that's a mouthful, but they'll point you to the right direction. And then I am uh, Chef Laura Briscoe on LinkedIn, which we use quite a bit and a little bit of not so much on the Twitter. So we'll, 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 we'll not. I don't use Twitter one. very much either. It's I don't think I'm going to. Yeah. I mean, although Elon Musk must, must, will disagree since he now owns the company. Maybe you should send him some <laughs> granola. <laughs> Great idea. We are looking for strategic partners. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that would be a good idea. Um, so where is the best place to buy your products and how would people do that? So you have a, quite a few options now. Um, we are, we've always been direct-to-consumer via lauresgourmet.com. In June of last year, we launched on Amazon, and that has been trending in the right direction. Uh, I really uh, have learned a lot with being on Amazon as far as it being the uh, quote-unquote Google for shopping. So we've seen an increase with our web customers as a result online. Uh, but in retail, in addition to our uh, Arizona locations, which um, include mm-hmm. two specialty retailers, one being Whole Foods, the other AJ's, uh, we've uh, in the, since 2019, we began a rollout nationally. And so we are now mm-hmm. in Southern California, Texas, East Coast, from uh, Maryland up to Connecticut. And then uh, Upper Midwest, Chicago, and uh, the Dakotas, actually. Wow, so, that's great. Oh, and a little presence in Seattle. We have, we're in town and country in Seattle in the bulk section, not retail. Uh, and then super exciting news. This morning, I had a call with a distributor that's based in, um, they're based in Seattle, but they cover all of Seattle and Portland. Oh, that's retail. great. And they're going to pick us up and bring us in. So we're going to be hopefully in your backyard very soon. Oh, good. So I'll finally be able to go to my local store and pick up a bag of your yummy cherry granola. That would be the plan. Absolutely. I love that stuff. So tell us about how you got started. So you're a chef, right? Correct. Yes. I about the chef careers. Part. So yeah. So back, so, you know, just going all the way back. I mean, I've always loved cooking. I've always loved baking. Um, and I always worked in restaurants, but always in back in front of the house. And I really loved that aspect of it. Worked my way through college that way, et cetera. And then when I finished school, went into tech because that's what you do, especially with a poli-sci degree. And um, so I did sales for a long time, but then we had a big crash in 2001 and the company mm-hmm. I was working for got swept into it. And I had a literal epiphany watching a movie, a foodie movie, and walked out into the parking lot and called uh, Scottsdale Cole which was uh, the local Le Cordon Bleu branch. It hadn't become Okay, Le so Bleu which movie was it? Do you remember? Of course, it was the remake of Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. And oh. it was the one in um, Southern California. Uh, now the name just went right out of my head for the first it's time. It's okay, I'm going to actually have to watch that. You said it it's was Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. Man, Woman. Well, that one, absolutely. You have to watch that one first and then okay. watch the uh, the remake because 
I mean, Hector Elizondo, who doesn't love that, but I identified with the daughter in the movie. And, uh, and I, when I called the school to get a tour, the woman who I spoke with, she's like, you know, you sound a little different. I'm going to have you do a private tour. And I walked on campus and I've never felt more at home in my life. And culinary school was one of the best things that ever happened to me. And I also realized in the first week that I was not trying to find a partner, a chef partner to open a restaurant that I wanted to do all of it. So I, in the middle of school, I started developing my first business celebrated cuisine. And that was culinary instruction and private fine dining. And, um, uh, I I did, I remember doing a wedding for 240 with no cooking equipment on site, except for a grill. And that included the suckling (laughs) pig. It was definitely a lot of learning. Um, but what was great was, uh, they let me do my externship to create my business. So I got to learn a lot under the tutelage of a chef and, over the course of um, many, many years, I, mean, I, I, I did that full time until the beginning of 2019. But in 2002, 2003, I was playing with the recipe I found in a magazine. And that's kind okay. of where granola started. Okay, but, so I have a question for you. Yeah. If, if somebody who's listening is going to go to culinary school, what are the chances that they're actually going to end up with their own business? Is that kind of not a big chance like I think a lot of people end up being line cooks a lot of people end up being line cooks there you know I think age and experience have something to do with the answer to that question okay if you're you're using culinary school as your second as your as your postgraduate your degree your AA or you're going to start yeah yeah, then I yeah you're you're really going to be kind of in the in the weeds and in the thick of it but if you change careers and you kind of have a different purpose at that point especially since you you have like sales and marketing background right kind of puts you in a whole different arena I think well and I've gotten to a point where I just didn't want to work for anybody else anymore you know Uh it just it was it was, you know, there were a lot of things going on in my life at that point. And, you know, to say that going to culinary school saved me mm-hmm. and, and made me a better person would be a very accurate statement, you know? Nice. Um, yeah. I mean, I really couldn't wait to get to school every day. And when I started teaching uh, for uh, private classes and at the local, one of the local cooking schools, and then doing private instruction for groups and homes, it was always pure joy a hundred percent, you know, the people nice. you bring into your life and what you learn and the instructor I had for basics, you know, who was phenomenal. He was, you know, he, it's like, if you took uh, well, Harold McGee and combined him with, um, uh, um, Alton Brown, oh. that was what I had to introduce me to the culinary world. It was I guess phenomenal. Alton Brown's going to be here at Powell's tomorrow, April 27th here in Portland or the 26th, maybe. Yeah, I'm not to get a flight. To he has a out. new. I think he has a new book or something that he's come out with. But yeah, I'm a total <laughs> chef geek when it comes to that. When I meet a chef, I get tongue tied, and I've I've met some amazing world known chefs, and I've done some stages at um, for different ones. I'll, in the summer times, we're very slow in Arizona because mm-hmm. no one needs to cook; it's already hot outside. So I spent you know ten days at the uh, at uh, Greens in San Francisco working mm. for free, just learning, and the same thing down at the Marine Room in La Jolla, and it's just amazing with just what you can learn in a ten or fifteen day period to yeah just expand your horizons. So it's cool. Mm. So you so you're a chef, and you had some um, teaching experience, and I saw some of your videos. I actually oh. watched them. 
Um, <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> I went on your Instagram. I'm like, okay, gotta learn more about Laura. So, actually, I'm gonna change the way I make pesto because oh. you know what? I was making mine all like mushy, like you were talking about, and I did the baby food. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna make it better next time. I promise. I'll only pulse. Awesome. Um, that that makes my day. <laughs> so, so when did you start doing granola? Then, how did you stumble across that idea? So it literally started with a recipe in a magazine as far as my recipe. But mm-hmm. uh, when I was in college, I always loved cereal growing up. You know, bowl, who, who didn't eat a bowl of cereal? Everyone. But in college, I got addicted to granola. And especially okay. during exams, I would just eat it right out of the box, straight shooter. Mm-hmm. And then, I, you know, then you, 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 you grow up a little bit. You're not doing that kind of thing. But I just remember I was going through one of my culinary magazines and I saw a recipe and I'm like, okay, I'll make that. Cause it had the word vanilla in the name mm. and who doesn't, I love vanilla. So yeah, I made the recipe exactly like it had in the magazine, except it had butter in it. It had white sugar in it and it had other ingredients that I just wouldn't eat. And, uh, cause even in culinary school, people made fun of me because they would bring around the pastry cart and I'd pull out a protein bar, you know, it just wasn't my yeah. way of eating. So, but for whatever reason, Sarah, I started playing with the recipe and documenting what I was doing and scaling it, changing it, trying different oils, different types of vanilla, um, different sweeteners overall. And one day our flagship vanilla almond crunch was born. Mm-hmm. And as you are well aware, whenever you bake, you have more than you want. And so I would give it away. And I would oh. just sample to people like, here, have some granola. I just made this. Go to a soccer game. Mm-hmm. Have some granola to my nice. whole teens. And people started asking for it mm. and ask an offering to put it in bags so they could put it in a gift basket. Or my nice. personal trainer's like, oh, you don't have to pay me this month. Just give me some of that granola. Oh, I'm like, oh that must be worth a lot more than I thought. That's and cool. so my best friend said, you know, you should think about selling this. And to be honest... Yeah. And I wasn't that busy yet with trying to build my business. And so I had bandwidth and I went to our local specialty purveyor because you go big or go home. And I just walked the aisles and saw how they did things. And I had been advised to go and talk to every store at the category level and talk about what I wanted and get their buy-in. And so I did that repeatedly, but I couldn't get the attention of corporate to say yes. Interesting. And so I am... serendipity and synchronicity are like my keywords. I feel like mm-hmm. everything revolves around them. And so one day I was at, on my way to teach a cooking class and I needed to pick up an ingredient. I ran into a grocery store and there were a mm-hmm. bunch of men in suits. And I asked the cashier what was going on. And she said, oh, they're making this into an HA's. And with them was the owner of the company. Oh, and nice. Perfect he, timing. He separated from the pack. And so I pounced. And so I just went up and I talked to him and told him what I was trying to do. And he told me how they supported local and he would let them know that I'd put the screws to him and I would blah, blah, blah. And 10 days later, they gave me a call and they said they'd try us out on the shelf. That's so great. Did you have granola with you? Not with me in that okay. moment. No, okay. he had no samples or anything. Um, but uh, he, I guess he just took me at face value and I think he felt cornered and I wasn't going to let him go. Oh, that's saying. the best. So, yeah. So it was great. So in July, July 15th, 2004 was our entree into retail. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was fine. That's all I needed. I It was a side gig. I did nothing with it. And side hustle. Then, side hustle, one skew. And then they called me and said, you know, Two skews is better than one. We need two facings. I'm learning all these vocabulary words. Oh, I'm like, okay. what's a facing? You know, and so SKU stock keeping unit. Exactly. And so yeah. we created pumpkin pecan crunch because it was small. Oh, so perfect. then we had two skews. 
And then it was kind of off to the races. I was still doing all of my culinary focus in celebrated cuisine full time, Mm -hmm. but somehow or another in between, I would develop a new flavor, you know? And so flavor number three became a reality. And what flavor was was that? Was that the apple? No, honey roasted peanut crunch. Oh, honey roasted peanut. Honey roasted peanut. And that's what you put on that crunchy tofu one. Oh, so good. It's so good. I mean, peanut, tofu, soy, all that. I looked through all your recipes on your website. They all look totally delicious. They are, you know, and it just helps understand the versatility of a product because we always get asked, what what do you do with granola? And we answer everything. You can do everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyway, long story, much shorter, you know, our business just grew organically on that side. We, We launched into Whole Foods in the Southwest. Uh, and that's what taught me how to do UPCs and nutrition labels and yeah. all that good stuff. Um, and then, um, and then we, uh, and then I'm just trucking along. And at this point, I had someone else baking our product, but we were doing it in my my commercial kitchen for catering. So we had every allergen known to God and man on our label, oh, okay. crustaceans and this and this and nah, this. Right? Plenty for um, granola. Plenty, but you know, we just um, we just saw more activity, people interested. I did a lot of store demos uh, for, for both Whole Foods and AJ's. And I was, whenever I taught a cooking class, I had granola with me. So, you know, I became a shameless self-promoter. Yeah. That's what I always term. tell people, whenever you're out doing something, you better have a sample of your food with you Yeah, because you never know who you're going to run into and it might be a big sale. I know the fact that I didn't have anything for Eddie Basho was a miracle that he followed up. But yeah. like I said, I think I scared him a little bit, but I don't know. Nah. I mean, it looks like from looking on all of your social media and your pictures on your website and stuff, you have a very special process for how you make your granola. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So what we sh- what we share is that we are chef driven, artisan crafted, and batch baked. And so we have our own production facility here in Arizona in Tempe, which isn't far from the airport, and we make the product exactly the way I made it when we first, when I first created the recipe. So, mm, uh, with, except, except the toys are bigger. So instead of, you know, a five quart mixer, it's a 60 quart mixer and it's a rotating rack oven that, you know, holds 30 trays instead of six mm. or something like that. And, um, and then, but all the granola is still spread by hand on the trays and trays are moved manually. And then we, upgraded in, almost four years ago to a hopper so we could weigh out our bags more quickly. Oh, and nice. then we, and we bought a machine at the same time that did all of our sealing and date coating, but, but there's still a lot of human intervention and it's good from a QA standpoint because we can see what that product looks like. Uh, you know, it's a lesson in scalability uh, and what's possible, but it's, uh, but the, the flexibility has been, a gift, especially when 2020 hit, having yeah. some flexibility was great. How did you choose that packaging that you have? It has such a unique tear thing to open it and it has a Ziploc. It's pretty cool. And it looks like it has a paper. Coating. Yes. So, looks so I thank you for that. That that took a year to create and find. We were We used to be in a very traditional craft tin tie bag with a window that you could buy anywhere. And mm-hmm. I remember buying our first 100 bags and I, cause I wanted to just buy a sample or get a sample. And the lady said, no, you have to have a hundred. And I said to her, well, what am I going to do with 99 bags? <laughs> and she just started laughing. She's like, Oh honey, it'll be fine. 
So, you know, thousands later, but um, I worked with my graphic designer, Karen, uh, Mm -hmm. to do the bag. We had, she had found one by a company here in the US that was awesome, but it, um, it was too big, but I, okay. so this is called a, a box bottom, a box bottom pouch, stand up okay. pouch. And it has the dog pole zip tie, which we, which reseals. And then we added the window to it and we wanted a custom shape to just in case someone else came along with something and people want to see what they're buying. Yeah. And so our window shaped kind of like an eye because we want you to be able to see into it and yeah. see what we're all about. And it also supports one of our core values, which is transparency. Nice. So, uh, so we have that element as well. Uh, so what I, the feedback we get now, cause we get asked a lot, why are we 16 ounces? Why aren't we nine ounces? It makes us look expensive on the shelf. You know, why aren't you in the vertical pouch? And I look at people and I say, cause we're not ubiquitous. We don't want to be, we're a curated product. We use premium ingredients. This is a premium product. This is I what mean, we do. Nine ounces is barely like three breakfasts. True. And I, when I buy a package of something, I want it to last at least for the week. (laughs) Right. I don't think 16 ounces is bad for, it's actually a good size for granola in my mind. Well, and it, it feels like, you know, you're not buying air, you know, and, and we really, really like that. We just want to be as authentic as possible. I mean, you buy a pound of sliced lunch meat or a pound of ground beef. Why can't you buy a pound of granola? Right. And you pay more for the lunch meat and the ground <laughs> yeah, meat, by the I way. No. <laughs> so tell us about your favorite flavor. So whenever someone asks me that, you know, I have to tell them that's like picking children, right? Oh, okay. And so, but so someone asked me that question yesterday at the festival we did, and I told them the same answer. And they said, Well, what's your favorite flavor today? Which oh. no one had ever done before. I thought that oh, was switched it up on you. Yes. So, you know, I had so you know, I Vanilla Almond Crunch is our very first and you never forget your first love. So always. And Vanilla Almond is also our flagship. It has remained our bestseller to this day. Uh, And it's the one that grounds me because it's the most classic and uh, it has the most classical naming convention uh, and it's very versatile in and of itself. Uh, But I have my go-tos. I find our Honey Roasted Peanut Crunch is... Um, well, as someone said yesterday in that festival, this is stupid. That was in a, in a good way because it. I tell people it's peanut butter cookie meets peanut brittle and gets a conscience. Mm. Oh, um, okay. It just has that right savory sweet kind of combination. Uh, Appleicious. I love the chewy apples, which are from Maduri Farms, which are from the Pacific oh, Northwest, nice. so right by you all. And then, um, so and that Appleicious is also my dad's favorite. He helped me develop our first few flavors. He was a chemistry PhD, so he was very integral in helping me understand evaporation. So I'll always have a little spot in my heart for Appleicious. Um, but uh, you know, I, I, I like them all. I find that I move flavor to flavor depending on how I feel, and mm. that's what we hope our consumers do as well. You know, we, and we want no matter what for you to feel good when you're eating our product. So, uh, there's, I mean, you have nine to choose from, uh, in the fall, we have nine on the line at one time, wow. uh, but those two are, we have two that are limited edition. So, um, it, it, we, so otherwise it's seven. Okay. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about your dad. Oh, Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace. With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard. 
by providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system because food brings people together. Okay, we're back. Now we're going to learn all about Dr. Art Brownstein. And I want to tell you, my dad was a PhD and also he passed away from Alzheimer's. Oh, I'm sorry. So we both, we have that in common. Mm -hmm. So my dad, Art Brownstein, um, was, uh, for a a, a not very tall individual, was larger than life to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he grew up on the wrong side of the tracks, literally in Trenton, New Jersey, was the Mm. first of many things for his family, first to finish high school, finish college, go on to get a PhD, and and then ran a very successful career uh, in in chemistry, working for companies like Exxon, which was his his biggest hit. He actually Mm. founded a division for them in Exxon Chemical. That's big. Uh, but he, uh, you know, he always said to me, if you get a chance, work for yourself, work for yourself, because he never did, but he understood the value of it. And his father yeah. did, actually, my grandpa. Yeah. So when I created the original recipe, I found all the emails recently that he and I shot back and forth because he only spent part of his time in Arizona. Otherwise, he was in Jersey. You know, he was so great about uh, talking about evaporation and about weights and everything because I was so green. I said, Dad, I don't understand. I put five pounds of oats in this recipe and then I mix it up and I bake it, but I have seven pounds when I'm done. Why is that <laughs> happening? And he, he's just, he did exactly that. He laughs. It's like, well, you did add oil and you did okay, add all the other something. stuff. <laughs> I know. And so, but so he taught me yields, which is it's crucial. Yeah, you need to know your so yields. Important. So, you know, so things like that, that you, it, it wouldn't have been our normal father daughter conversation. It really yeah. expanded the relationship that we have. And And what was one of the things I loved about him was that he never once asked me for free product. He He always, nope, he always bought it online or he bought it at the local store, you know, and now that we've rolled out in New Jersey at the one of the stores, my mom would always shop in. I'm super bummed that he's not there to be able to buy it on the shelf and grab it. Yeah, exactly. But I know, I know he's, I know he knows what's going on because I kind of feel like sometimes they're up there sort of cheering us on and making things happen. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. I feel that so, all the time. So, and as you said, you know, he, uh, he was diagnosed with um, Alzheimer's dementia and mm-hmm. gratefully, I never had a moment where he didn't know who I was or who my daughters were or anything like that, mm-hmm. or my husband. Um, but uh, you know, he, uh, he was, he was, he was good. He was, he was ready to, to go, yes, but, yeah. um, but I just, you know, I just, see what this does to families. And so for us, I was thinking, you know, how can I, we, we try to be as philanthropic as we can while we do support a lot of different, you know, we donate a lot of things or we do fundraisers or what have you. I wanted something continue, continuous. Mm. So uh, we have committed that a portion of all of our online sales and our website uh, supports Alzheimer's research and education. That's and so cool. we do quarterly donations to that from our web sales, which gratefully have been increasing for everybody. So that's wonderful. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, but yeah, just like I said, biggest, biggest guy in the, in a, not a very big body. (laughs) Yeah. So on to the next guy that I noticed was important to you, or maybe just because I think maybe how you met him was kind of cool. I saw that John Legend actually stopped and talked to you at your booth. What's up with that? And you're both Penn Staters. 
Yeah. So, um, wow. sorry, something just went off. So, so we both went to university of Pennsylvania, which I knew because, you know, you, you know, who all your alumni are, alumni are, but I wish he had stopped at my booth. Cause I would have loved to have given him a taste, but he was walking by where I was standing with a, a friend of mine. Oh, oh. And as soon as I saw him, yeah. it was so funny because everyone was all around his wife. Right. Yeah. And he was standing there texting. So I thought, you know what? I, I, I do this every once in a while. <laughs> I just got to go talk to John. So I just tap him on the shoulder and I said, I said, Hey John, he looks up. He's like, yeah. I go, Hey, I said, Pendulum, just like you. He's like, great. I said, just want to let you know, I'm super happy to see Penn being represented in the arts as you know, cause everything's always about the business school. Right. And so first thing out of his mouth was, well, what do you do? And I told him, you know, about Laura's Gourmet Granola. I said, you can find us at your local Gelson's because he lives in Stokes part of the time in Southern California. Yeah. And as I'm walking away, he says, go Quakers, which is our, our uh, mascot, yeah. which was great. You know, and he kind of did a little bit of uh, the, the pen song that you sing. And that was that, but he let, you know, my friend was standing there. She was taking the pictures um. and we walk away and she said, you were just as cool as a cucumber. I said, really? Because if I stop walking, you will see how badly my knees are shaking. (laughs) (laughs) That was really cool to see them at the show and walking around and interacting. And I sort of wonder what's going on. Maybe maybe they're going to come up with a line of products. Well, I heard that she has some... Kind she of, has uh, I don't know some, if she does something like she endorsing has cookbooks and she oh, has cookware right. and all sorts of different things, but I think it would be cool to see some hmm. products. Yeah, I think I you know. I think yeah. We, we, I, I uh, heard one of your questions on one of your other uh, on interviews. Yeah, about if, if you, you had got a to, yeah let's celebrity just get it out. So would yours be? really think about it. Well, I have a few. If that's oh, okay. okay. So, yeah, obviously. He would be one just because of the pen connection. Yeah. Um, one that would surprise you would be Courtney Cox. Oh. Uh, because she, you know, she was a chef on Friends and right. that was just phenomenal. And, cool. uh, and I know she loves to cook and she started her own uh, cooking on Instagram and everything else. And so I figured maybe we could cook together and she could enjoy some granola. So mm. she was one. And uh, and I, if I had to choose anyone else, I don't know. I mean... The Courtney Cox thing would be pretty good. That'd be cool. So how are you going to get granola to these people? So, you know, I always figure out a way somehow, you know, I goal for this year. Yeah. I, you know what? Um, yeah, the, the, I think the John Legend thing, I can probably go back. To, you know, I'm sure he reads all of his messages on Instagram, but um, if I DM him, but you never know, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, Courtney, I'll figure out a way to get there. I don't see why not, you know? My daughters once told me they wanted to see the Gilmore girls on set. And so I figured out a way to get us on set. We met the whole cast. So anything's possible in this world. So I saw that you recently got a label applicator for your packages. (laughs) Can you tell us about like when you first started applying labels to where you are now? Like what was the what was the biggest number of labels you ever applied in one sitting? Do you know? Because people Um, usually count. Yeah, well, yeah, back in the day, um, it, it was just me, right, in the beginning. Well, in the beginning, it was me and my printer and printing my labels on a clear Avery sticker and sticking them on the bag because that was very high-end for the specialty purveyor in town. Um, but then when we graduated to an actual printed label, I would have labeling parties. And I would invite mm. all my girlfriends to come to my kitchen. Oh, that's and smart. I set them up. I like one side was fronts and one side was were backs. And we would maybe get... Um, 
a hundred of each SKU. So 300 done. It was a big deal to get 300 bags done. That's sort of and, like that Tom Sawyer thing where you convince yes. them to paint the fence. <laughs> exactly. But then I bought some pizza and, and wine exactly. afterwards. So it was all worth it. Never beforehand though. We couldn't have crooked labels. Um, but I think, so when we did, so there have been days where, you know, when labeling by hand, we actually used to outsource it to, um, oh. to uh, some programs that were to employ special need adults. Mm. So we did that for a long, long time. And so they would probably do, you know, a few hundred of each SKU, never more than that. But now with our new label applicator, which was yeah, what, exciting. What is that label applicator? Where'd you find that? So actually the guy who prints our labels, the company that does that, he found it for me. They're, oh, they're nice. uh, printing solutions in Arizona. The, uh, my salesperson is awesome. And so he found this company. And so what we did was we sent our roles to them with a couple of our bags so they could do proof of concept for us. Oh, because our bag is such a different shape. We were worried mm-hmm. that we weren't going to be able to put it through the machine. Yeah. And so they did it. We had about a two month wait, you know, mm-hmm. due to, you know, whatever. And, um, and once we got it up and running, now we're, we're easily doing at least 300 bags an hour. An hour. That's yes. great. Which is great. You don't have to buy any pizza. No. Well, no, but I like to buy pizza for me. <laughs> That's great. So, so yeah, it, it's, it was a game changer. It was definitely, that was a game changer. And the healing coating machine was a game changer. Those ch- took things out of our process, stamping bags, heat sealing by hand, you know, and we haven't even touched on food service, which is a whole other animal. Which so is a bulk been, pack, right? So you have a bag in a box kind of a thing. Exactly. So we do yeah. 25 pound bags in boxes and we distribute those. Um, usually the, the, well, we have about six distributors between Arizona and national, and then we have remote stock distribution that we do as well. Is that um, with the fair group? F-A-I-R-E fair. I saw you we, have that on we're your on fair. Yeah. But we, what is well, that? we do offer. So fair is a uh, business to business oh, website. Okay. So it's retailers looking for curated products okay. that they can bring in. And interesting. You asked that today because this morning I called one of the retailers that had discovered us on fair and they're in Raleigh, North Carolina mm-hmm. they're called lady fingers. And they have two locations and they said, you know, they, they buy everything through fair because they get 60 day terms terms, which no one offers anyone. That's pretty awesome. And what we, and we, they take care of the shipping. They take care of the packing slips, the labels and everything. So we just have to pull product and put it in a box. And then the commission structure is very, very reasonable. So um, we've created some really great retail partner relationships as a result of fair throughout the country. And anyone who's like me and a maker and looking to get onto retail it's an awesome way to get started. It's an awesome way to get started. That's cool. And I saw it's a hundred dollars off your first order. I kind yes. of feel like ordering through there, but I know I can't. <laughs> and they give you free shipping too if they order through your link. So That's there's a lot amazing. of benefits. Yeah, it's been yeah, it's been pretty positive. Uh very positive experience. Now, one of the themes I noticed going through all your social media is that you love music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you even have music playing in your plant in your production facility and you, and I wanted to ask you how do you keep a good employee? How Is do it I with keep music? a good employee? Um Training? I think it's flexibility. Flexibility. Um, yeah, I, my production manager his name is Jermaine Solis. Mm-hmm. He's been working with me now for nearly 6 years. 
That's and a long time. It's a long time. He started as a sous chef for me for Celebrated Cuisine, and he oh. just helped with the baking for Laura's Gourmet. Very nice. And he is such he is such an inspiration to me as an individual. Uh, so for me to give him increasing responsibility and see what he does with it has been a total joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he runs our production facility. I mean, he runs as far as the team that's in there, Uh, what they produce in a given day, making sure we meet our our deadlines. He goes above and beyond consistently. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of music that they play. One, We just got a second employee who received a surf safe and food safety certification. Yeah. And so he brought in the world's biggest boombox. I kid you not. I didn't think they made them like this anymore. And that is rocketed out all day, every day. So um, I noticed that the music choices were getting pretty narrow. So we all were in there on Saturday morning because we needed, I needed, we all needed to do hands-on for ketchup. And so they actually let me on the packaging line. It was very Mm. exciting. And um, I asked if I could choose the music and they said I could. So we, what did you pick? Well, first I picked the M&M stations. They were kind of surprised by that, but that went really well. And then I changed it to the Gypsy Kings and they all really got a kick out of that. So it was all, we all just kind of jammed while we were packaging. Yes. Are you still selling at farmer's markets too? Um, no, actually we, we ourselves have never sold at a farmer's market. You never have. Oh, okay. We had a, the bakery that I rented time from when I first started, uh, Mm -hmm. because Arizona never didn't have a cottage act. When I first started, I had to have a commercial kitchen from the get go. Okay. Yeah. So I rented time from a bakery called Fat Cat Bakery and, uh, they did farmer's markets. They sold my product for me at a farmer's market. Oh, okay. I see. I see. Yeah. So. So what do you think is the most challenging part about starting the granola company? Wow. I don't know. I thought this was limited to an hour. So um, (laughs) the most challenging part is not knowing what you don't know. Um, I have learned so much over the last nearly 18 years of Mm -hmm you know, creating what was first like the redheaded stepchild, because I just finished an event and then I'd get an order for two cases of granola that I had to bake and I'm tired and I, you know, and I, then I would do it, you know, but, um, it, every, it felt like it still, still feels this way every day. There's something new to learn. There's new mm-hmm. language, new, new, um, there's new acronyms and abbreviations and new styles you know, if I did food service only, it would be one thing, but the retail landscape is constantly shifting and it's hard and it's yeah. expensive. Yeah. And um, working with distributors has its set of challenges and um, and trying to stay ahead of the curve financially is a challenge. So, Have you had any investors in your business or have you been yeah. able to do it all on your own? I have to this point done it on my own. But realistically, know that that's not possible. So, um, you know, cash flow keeps me up at night. But you know, we don't run with debt. I, you know, I, I'm debt averse, and that's due to my dad. So we can go back to him for that. Thank you. Uh, but I, so I just I have a small board of directors and a couple of really tenured advisors, and nice. one of them is huge in supporting women founders and. Mm. She's helped me articulate the strategic partner vision and and how to move forward to execute. So that's where I am now. It's exactly where I am now. So I'm assuming you have a great um, 
financial person, maybe a CPA or somebody that helps accounting or do you handle that all yourself? Well, the accounting piece, like the day-to-day, we just use our QuickBooks online to manage that. Okay. Um, I, you know, Obviously, I have a tax advisor. And then I actually have another consultant who's a former CFO uh, who's retired, but he works directly with us through the Small Business Development Commission with, within the oh, county that we live. That's so great. He, he's, in, he's a resource constantly available to me. And he has been, uh, that whole organization has been, uh, has been wonderful. And these, this is, these are the types of resources available in every state. And I encourage any of your listeners yeah. to look them up. Yeah. They're usually in the community colleges, I think, small mm-hmm. business That's development That's exactly centers. right. Yep. yep. Community yep. college houses them. And they usually have free counselors. They're paid yeah. hourly rate by the federal government and you can go get your own counselor. And I think, you know, going there, if you're thinking about starting a business, going there and starting on your business plan is super important. You know, some people think they know so much they've run a business before, but the fact is you really do need some kind of a strategy on paper, I think. Um, that kind of is a road map for where you want to go. And, you know, once you write it down, it generally starts happening from what I can tell. Yeah, I would agree with that a hundred percent. And it just starts I mean, happening. It just, yeah. Yeah. When we moved then, into our current facility, that's how I felt. If you build it, it will come, but yeah. you have to put it out there so yeah. people know. Yeah, exactly. So, um, do you have some wisdom or advice that you'd like to give our fellow food entrepreneurs? Oh boy. Um, let's see. And I knew that question would be coming, but uh, <laughs> I'm like, no, I forget to ask. Uh, so, you know what, I, as much informational interviewing, if you will, that you can do, I don't know how else to phrase that. Meaning a great example, as you know, um, well, the SFA, holds a monthly share group. And uh, there's a lot of brand new entrepreneur, you know, new brand new to the market products Mm -hmm. and people representing them on that. And the content, I mean, I'm not brand new, but I'm still new, you know, when it comes to retail, I'm not going to make that up. To be part of that and to listen to people who have that experience and have been down that path is Mm -hmm. significant. And so Um, what I've learned is the more questions you can ask, the more people in, maybe not in your particular category, but in your industry that you can talk to about Mm -hmm. their experiences and whatnot, the, the, the more successful, uh, your launch will be. Um, but it, it's, um, I mean, there's no, there's no one way of doing it either, but Mm -hmm. I will say this, have multiple buckets. Don't just have one bucket because if something like 2020 happens again and you're in the wrong bucket, you're done. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what saved us in 2020 was that we had multiple buckets. And one of those buckets has become very significant for us that we ended up pivoting into as a result of the slowdown on food service which was building custom blends for other CPG companies. So it's, you know, so it's, um, so we've, you know, to have the retail, to have the food service, to have the direct to consumer on your own website, to have a B2B like fair, to have an Amazon, you can't just have one bucket. You need to make yourself as versatile as possible. That's super good advice. 
Is there anything else you want to tell us before we end this great conversation? Um, you know, I, I was listening to one of your conversations re- that you had recently and the entrepreneur mentioned that she wanted to have a bar and you said, don't make a bar, bar. Pa- don't oh do yeah. I said, don't make a bar. So, and uh, you know, it's a crowded, crowded category yeah. and, you know, granola is, ca- is crowded also, but it seems a little less crowded than it was. Granola and we're not- is less crowded. We've had so many granola people come through and then disappear. So I would say and, about eight wow. or, you know, you started before the big push through granola here in the Oregon, in Portland, and Oregon, probably it was around eight years ago. We had so many granola people coming through right now. We wow. have a lot of chili crisp people coming through. Chili crisp okay. is the new thing. Okay. And, um, I mean, I think there's something, there must be something really great about your granola since you're still out there and growing your business. You know, people ask me what differentiates us and it's a combination of three things and they're all chef driven. One is yeah. it is chef created. So as yeah. you are well aware, you know, yes. recipe development is not easy it's so important. to scale. I mean, you're Second, building your whole business on it. Right. But this, but more, but so when you eat something created by a chef, the things that stand out are mouthfeel, mm-hmm. texture, and then taste and then aftertaste. Yeah. And that's where, I think that's where we keep hitting the right number because when I taught cooking classes and when I still do, I'm actually teaching a couple in June um, as a guest in Cape Cod, um, is I, I always talk about how do you how do you know your food has been seasoned properly? Mm-hmm. And I go through this whole little thing, which I won't get into now, but I said, the way you know your food has been seasoned properly is that when you tasted it, you want to take another bite. Yes. It's as simple as that. And yeah. with our product, people want to take another bite mm-hmm. and then they want to taste the next one. And that is what has given us the staying power is that they come back for more. Yeah. And I'm grateful good. for that. Yeah. I'm grateful for that. Super clean, you know, nothing, nothing fancy, just, but, but crafted well. Okay. Let's remind everybody how they can find you and where to connect with you on social media. On social, on Instagram and Facebook at Laura's Gourmet Granola and on our website, laurasgourmet.com. And you can find us the same way on Amazon or Fair or just Google us. We are very Googleable. <laughs> yeah, and there's lots of cooking demos and great recipes on Laura's website. We, we have fun doing those. We have a YouTube channel too for Laura's. I know. Granola. I saw that. So, it's so yeah. great. You're out so, there. I love it. Thank well, you. Laura, thanks for joining us today. It was really nice to get to know you a little bit better. Um, we want to thank you for sharing your story and the story of your company. I appreciate being here. Thank you. And I'll look forward to seeing you in June. Um, We record Masoni and Marshall every week, and you can tune in and find us on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes and Stitcher. Thanks to our audio engineer, Lon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on our show, you can submit your idea to startupradio.com or contact us through uh, Instagram with a DM. Until next time, bye for now. Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of Meaningful Marketplace. As a family-owned organ grocer for 42 years, Market of Choice strives to inspire, mentor, and assist a diverse group of local producers and foster equity in our communities. With 11 stores in Oregon, Market of Choice supports these craft makers, as well as farmers, fisher folk, and ranchers by bringing more than 7,000 local products to market. 
Together, we form a sustainable, community-based food system that serves our great state. To learn more, go to marketofchoice.com. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.